Well, you can have a seat. Uh, and good morning once again. As I said earlier, my name is Jacob Smith. I'm the college pastor here at Grace Anderson. And man, we are just, we are so grateful and excited to be kind of wrapping things up with you. If, if you're new, um, you're kind of, you're stepping into essentially the end of uh, two months, of eight weeks that we've been spending in the book of Romans, a letter written by an early church planner, written by the Apostle Paul, right, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote these words, this, this essential truth from the Lord to a, to a church plant in Rome uh, that was consisting, that consisted of people that Paul had never met that he had never, he didn't go there, he hadn't visited there, he didn't help start that church. Uh, and so when he was writing a letter to them, I mean, he wanted to be really certain that he was laying out the core, kind of the essentials, the foundations of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so hopefully you've, you've heard week in, week out, that ultimately what, what happens when we trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, when we believe in him as our God and as our Savior, what happens is freedom is brought to our life. Right? Ultimately, when we trust in Jesus, we have a new relationship with the God of the universe that does not depend on a new list of rules and regulations, of, of constrictions and boundaries. Instead, we are brought into a life that is free, where there are choices that we are free to make day in and day out. Uh, a freedom over the, the fear that maybe has previously held us back. Right? That's where we were in Romans chapter 5 that we now can choose hope over hopelessness, that we have a hope in the reconciliation, meaning the relationship that is made right with the God of the universe. In Romans 6, we saw that we have a freedom from failure, that we are no longer bound by sin, that sin does not have to lord or be our master over us, that we, in fact, can choose right over wrong. We learned in Romans chapter 7 that, that we are free from the law, that we are free from the demands, this, this list of do's and don'ts, that we are no longer try to work for the approval of God, that we, we cannot, in fact, do anything to make him love us more or anything that would make him love us less than he already does. Instead, we are, we are given the love of the Lord. We are given this acceptance and assurance by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're wrapping things up in Romans chapter 8, looking at this incredible truth that death itself, that even the greatest uh, enemy in this world cannot stand against the purpose of God. That in fact, he has given us a promise and an assurance that transcends the fears and the anxieties we might otherwise have about our future, that we can choose through Christ to be assured of our salvation, secure in our relationship with our heavenly Father, regardless of, of, of the, the issues that pop up in our lives, regardless of the struggles that we may be walking through, the enemies that come against us. Right, so this morning, I mean, my, my hope is that what we'll see is that we are the recipients of, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are the recipients of the most incredible gift imaginable, eternal life with the Father who loves us, a spirit who indwells us and empowers us, right? When, when Paul starts Romans chapter 8, he talks about the role of the spirit, right? We read it just a minute ago in Romans 1, he says that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, because you've been given this spirit of life, this spirit of power, that you, every single believer is given the indwelling spirit of the Lord, that it acts as our constant source of hope and, and, and uh, assurance. It gives us help. He's our counselor. He's our comfort. And that through the work of the Spirit, as we walk by the Spirit, as we allow Him to lead, I mean, it shapes the way that we view the world, it shapes the way that we view our lives. And Paul lands kind of at the end of this chapter on this incredible certainty, this incredible assurance, this incredible promise that we have 
through the Lord, specifically through His Spirit. And so if you'll look with me in Romans, at the very end of chapter 8, in verse 31, if you turn there in your Bible and your phone, we'll put the words up on the screen. But in Romans 8, 31, he begins this kind of closing argument, this closing statement talking about the assurance that we have of the love of the Lord in our lives if we're trusting in Jesus Christ as our hope and salvation, right? So he says this in verse 31. He says, what then shall we say about all of these things, right? And in light of the freedom that we've been given, in light of all these promises that God has made, if God is for us, who could be against us? Verse 32, indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Paul's saying, look, you can trust in the ultimate purpose of God. Now, He's saying, look, there are, there will be people, there's a rhetorical question, he says, there will be things, there will be people, there will be circumstances, situations that stand against you. When Jesus looked at his disciples, he told them the, the promise that he made was that, hey, you're going to have conflict in your life, that you're going to actually be rejected, you're going to face trial and tribulation, you're going to face struggle and hardship, right? He didn't promise them that everything in life would be just easy if they'd followed after him. He says, no, instead he promised suffering, but he also promised them a life beyond this world. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, we have this hope that transcends the issues of this life, and we can be certain of it. Why? Because God gave everything on our behalf, right? Jesus said it in his words to his disciples. He says, there's, there's no greater love than that someone, that a man would lay down his life for another, for a friend. He says, that is the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ, that he laid down his life. He gave up everything for the glory set before him. He sacrificed everything. He went to the cross, was buried in the grave. And Paul is saying, man, that is the incredible hope of our gospel, that God loves us so much that he would give up everything, right? There's a, there's a part of us that recognizes, man, the greatest love is seen through sacrifice. That's why even you look at the stories that we tell, uh, the books that we write, the movies that we make, man, the art, we, there's something that resonates with humanity about sacrifice. That's why we have these big heroes. That's why we have people like Luke Skywalker, right? Who just, he gives up, he says, you know what, I'm going to do the trench run. I'm going to like go fight my dad, with a sword, right? How many of us have taken it that far? Probably not a lot, right? Maybe a few of us. But generally, we're like, wow, that's amazing, right? And eventually, like in the new ones, he's like angry and has a beard. I don't know. But it, at one point, he says, I'm going to give up everything. That's why we have heroes like Katniss Everdeen. She's like, I'm going to fire the final arrow, even though it might cost me everything. It doesn't, right? She's, spoiler. Uh, she <laughs> lives to tell the tale. But man, there's something incredible about that sacrifice. It's, it's what we're hoping for, right? We're saying, man, who is going to be that friend? Who's going to be that family member who actually pays for Disney Plus so that I can experience the joys of the vault that's been opened, right? Like what? Who's going to lay down their like $5 a month on my behalf? We're waiting for it because we know, man, there's something incredible about that sacrifice. And Paul is saying, God has given you everything in Jesus Christ. Therefore, why would you doubt? Why would you hesitate? Why would you wonder about all these other promises that Paul's been laying out in the book. He says, you can trust the promise of redemption, the being bought out of sin. You can trust the promise of justification, of being declared right in the eyes of God. He says, you can trust these things because God has proven himself through this sacrifice. He says, and this is what we got to hold on to in verse 33. Uh, he says, because who's going to bring any charge against God's elect? It is God himself who justifies. So who is the one who will condemn? Christ is the one who died, and more than that, he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us. 
And Paul's making this point. Again, he's asking a rhetorical question. Who's going to bring charges? He knows, you know what? We are going to feel charges. We're going to feel accusations. People are going to bring against us or we're going to even bring against ourselves. We're going to feel accusations of, man, but I, I said that thing or I had that attitude or I walked that path. Man, I practiced that lifestyle. Man, surely, I, I, surely I've, I've lost favor. Surely I've lost the love of the Lord because of these things in my life, because of these issues, because of what other people have said. And Paul's saying, you don't have to listen to those accusations. Why? Because it's God himself who justifies. He says it's his judgment that we care about. He says, and God has chosen to justify those who believe in Christ Jesus, to, to declare you right in his own sight. He says, and this is a hope that isn't just grounded in this one past event. He says it's a hope that's still alive, right? That's why he talks about these four kind of key roles of Jesus Christ. He says he died, meaning he paid the penalty of your sin. He paid the debt that you had incurred. He paid that incredible price, what we call redemption, being bought out of sin and death. He says, and not only did he die, but he rose again, meaning that we can trust that he can give life to those who ask. He can give forgiveness to those who want to receive it. And even beyond that, he says he's risen, he's ascended to the throne of God. In other words, he has the absolute authority and power and sovereignty over this creation. Jesus told his disciples, you don't have to fear the world because I've already overcome it. He says you can trust in the power and the might and the ability, the authority of Jesus Christ. He says, and it's not only that he has this ability, and it's not only that he has this authority and this power, but he's using it to intercede on our behalf. In other words, he is advocating for us to our Heavenly Father. Just as he had written earlier in this chapter about how the Holy Spirit then dwells every believer, even when we don't think to run to the Lord, even when we, think, we don't think to turn to him in times of trial and, and struggle, we have a spirit who is crying out, Abba, Father, a testament to our place in his family. Paul's saying, I mean, we, we have Jesus Christ advocating on our behalf. He says, this is what can bolster us. This is what can encourage us when the things that he lays out in verse 35 hit. Right? Verse 35, he says, so who will separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble? Distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or the sword? He says, no, it's, for it's written... For your sake, we encounter death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He's quoting a psalm saying, look, we could be tempted to not just kind of receive these accusations, these condemnations from other, other sources or even ourselves. He says, maybe we're going to be tempted because of struggle and hardship to think that God has abandoned us. Maybe it's through trouble, distress, right? Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger. Sword. These are all things that Paul himself had faced. Right? He, he talks about it a lot in the letters to the, churches in Cor- to the church in Corinth. He says, man, I, I've been shipwrecked a bunch of times. I've been beaten. I've been scorned. I've been imprisoned. Right? He says, I, I've faced all of these things. Jesus Christ himself faced many of these exact attacks. Paul's saying, you don't need to look at these things as signs that God has somehow abandoned you. Instead, he quotes the psalm to say that it's for your sake we encounter death all day long. We were considered a sheep to be slaughtered. He says, in other words... This is a mark of the righteous people of God. This is, suffering has always been a part of following after the Lord Most High. Because of sin and brokenness in our world, there's always hardship, there's always struggle. Paul says, that if anything, these attacks could be affirmation of your place in the family of God. He says, don't be discouraged. Don't think that this means that God has left you. In fact, he sees you. 
He wants to minister through you. He wants to use these events for his glory and our good. That's what he lays out earlier in chapter 8 as well. It says, we can trust that there is a God who is at work. He's working all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. He says, I, God is on the move, even in all of these hardships, even in all these terrible circumstances. He says, that's why we can trust, verse 37, that in all of these things, we have complete victory through him who loved us. Again, bringing to mind that, that, that idea that Jesus himself had laid out, that he has overcome this world, that he has been victorious over the grave itself. And it's because of this incredible accomplishment, it's because of these incredible hopes that Paul would say in verse 38, this kind of closing, beautiful statement, that he is convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor heavenly rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is our gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came, lived, died, and rose so that anyone who calls on his name might be saved, so that anyone who trusts in him is free from condemnation, is secure, adopted out of sin and death, out of being a child of wrath, as Paul would say, and adopted into the family of God. Where he looks at us and he says, you're my beloved son, you're my beloved daughter. And that's a relationship that's secure. It's a relationship that maybe feels strained at times. But it's a relationship that will never be severed, cannot be taken away. This is our gospel. So what do we do with it? Right over the last three weeks, we've been very introspective. We've been looking at the, the ramifications of the gospel in our lives, right? Every single week, we've been, we've been writing out confessions to the Lord, saying, God, these are things that I'm free from. God, these are ways that I've been changed. God, these are sins that don't hold power over me. Lord, these are ways I'm trying to earn your approval that I know are, are futile, that, that are lost causes. But ultimately, the gospel has to go beyond us. It's a salvation that is worth celebrating, but it's also a salvation. It's a story that's worth sharing. If we have been given the greatest gift of all of time, then that should make us live, think, work, speak differently. It's what we see played out right here. So please, please, please let me get what I Okay, first of all, this is an advertisement for a department store, all right? So don't, <laughs> don't let it sink too deep. Also, as a, as a father to three young children, this is also fictional, right? This is not, this is not real. But I will say this. I mean, there's something that we know, there's a joy that we know is found in sharing and in giving and in sacrificing for the sake of others, Right? A lot of us, we can look back and we can think about, I mean, that time where we, we put ourselves out there, we, we gave our time, we gave our energy, we gave that day, we, we gave that resource, we, we sacrificed for the sake of someone else. And man, there's, there's a joy to be found in giving rather than receiving. That's not just something that your parents tell you the day before Christmas. There's a truth to that. And so when we look at the gift of salvation, when we look at the work of Jesus Christ, I mean, what we have to recognize is that ultimately it's, a, it's something that we should celebrate, something we should sing about. 
Right? It's, it's a love that we should proclaim to each other and encourage each other with. It's good to go to breakaway. It's good to go to Bible study. It's good to come and gather in worship. But, but here's the truth. That's not the end goal of our gospel. That when Jesus looked at his disciples, he didn't tell them, hey, I want you to just go. I want you to follow me and be the best disciples you could ever be. Instead, he says his parting words to them, his final command is, I want you to go and make more disciples who are going to make more disciples. I want you to help people find and follow me. That's your end goal. Our senior pastor, Brian Fisher, put it this way. He says that, you know, ultimately at some point when we are in the splendor and the glory of God for all of eternity in heaven and the new earth or wherever, I mean, we're, worship itself will be our, our, our life. We know from Scripture that we will spend all of eternity in worship for our God. Right? The, the songs that we sing right now, the stories that we tell, it, it, it pales in comparison to the worship that will take place. He says, so Brian says this, he says, you know, in light of that, right now, the center of our lane, right now, the, the highest calling that we have is to witness. That's what's unique to this time. What's unique for our moment, our lives right now, is we can make our lives count for eternity. It's good to gather and worship, absolutely. But then we got to go. We should celebrate, and then we should share. We have opportunities all around us to share the gospel with our words and with our actions. And so this morning, you sat on two cards. One of them is hopefully designed to help you get in the Word of God over the break. This is a reading plan that we put together as a staff team that we've been working on for a while, where essentially you are reading through the life of Christ, and you're reading through uh, prophecies relating to his life and what he's going to accomplish. And, and we know that, man, for some of us, as we go through the break, the winter break, that can be a hard time to connect with the Lord because of the people around us or the circumstances or whatever. And so we acknowledge that. And so maybe for some of us, that's helpful. We take that card, stick it in our Bible, put it in your purse. It's a little big for a pocket. Fold it up three times, then put it in your pocket, right? That's our, our, our hope for you is that that would help you celebrate what God has done in your life by reading, by being in his word, right? That, that's what that first big card is for. The other little card that looks familiar, maybe for some of us, because every single week for the last month, the last three weeks, we have been filling out these cards, confessing to the Lord the, the, the fears or the failures or the demands that have been holding us back from really experiencing the love of God or, or things that we've been freed from that are simply felt barriers but are not actual. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to shift gears a little bit. Because as I've said a minute ago, man, we, we've been very introspective over the last three weeks, but, but today I want us to turn the corner. This week and next week, I, I want us to be focused more on, man, how does the gospel play out? Next week, we'll be having baptisms where people are going to be sharing, man, this is what God has done through my life. And, and them sharing those stories is in itself an incredible ministry to the people that will be gathered here, the friends and the family, maybe some of you that will be here. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a ministry to the rest of us to hear what God has done in their lives. And this morning, my hope is that in the same way, we'll be outward focused and we're going to take those cards and we're going to write a name on it. Right? And it's not, we didn't think about this a few months ago when we made the cards. It's not going to make a ton of sense because of the, on that card at the top of it, it's like living free from, right? And our goal is not like, I want to live free from Steve, right? Like that's not <laughs> Steve, right? That's not, that's not the purpose of the card. So if it helps you, maybe even just like cross out that top part. But you're going to be writing down a name of someone that you can be in prayer for. Someone who maybe doesn't know the Lord. Or maybe they do, and they're just not walking with him. Someone that maybe is in your family, someone who's maybe in your friend group, someone who maybe is a roommate, 
someone who's a lab partner, someone who you just met through class, class friend, man, I don't know. But someone who you are willing to say, you're, you're going to come before the Lord, you're saying, God, I, I want to be in prayer for so-and-so. And maybe you're praying not just for the Lord to, to change their heart, to change their mind, but also you're praying that God would open opportunities for you to minister to them. Maybe just through serving them. Maybe it's through setting up. Maybe you text them later today and you're like, hey, let's, let's grab coffee before finals and just, and just talk. And maybe you get to ask them about their lives. You get to ask, check in and ask, maybe spiritual conversa- have a spiritual conversation in prayer for that person, saying, God, I want you to give me an opportunity to share the hope of your son, Jesus Christ, to share the assurance that I have, that I've been given, the gift that I've received. Right? For some of us, maybe that, that word, the name that we write down is just ourselves. Maybe some of us, I know, are in a place where we have never really accepted the gospel. We've never, we, maybe it's a faith that was handed to us at some point in the past, maybe not. Maybe something we've been familiar with, but maybe, maybe we've never really trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe for some of us, we write down our own name. We say, God, I just want to take some time to, to think about this and talk to you this break. Maybe talk to a friend who I know is following after you. For others of us, we're, we're looking out. We're thinking, man, who, what's that name? Who's that person that I could write down? All right, so I want you to just take a few seconds right now Think about it, pray about it, say, God, who am I writing down? You're going to write down the name, you're just going to stick in your pocket, right? You're going to put in your Bible, put in your purse, stick in your pocket, but hold on to that and pray for the, be in prayer for that person over the break. Okay, so I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that right now, and then we'll move to the next thing. So here's the truth of our gospel, right? I've said it before, say it again. We have a God who's chosen to love us when we were dead in our sin, when we were deep in our failure. God chose to love us. Even in open rebellion, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, knowing every deep, dark secret, every deep, deep, dark sin of our past, present, and future. Jesus Christ came and he paid the price for all of it to redeem us, to buy us out of that state, to justify us, to declare us righteous in the eyes of God. And so this morning, I hope that we're prepared to share. I hope that we're praying for opportunities to share. But I also want us to close just in celebration of what God has done. And so, as I said a minute ago, I mean, we, we've been collecting cards. We've been collecting confessions that a lot of you have written down. You've been thrown in a basket in the back of the room on your way out. And this morning, we're going to just burn them all up. It's going to be awesome. And we have fire set up outside. Uh, not for cooking Krabby Patties, but in fact, to symbolically show it. There's no mystical power in those flames, uh, but we want to symbolically show, I mean, these are things, these are, these are hindrances, these are barriers that do not actually hold us back. These are things that do not hold power over us because we're free in Jesus Christ. And so as we move out, okay, we're, we're going to be done, all right? So we're going to go outside. We're going to burn these cards. I'm going to read to us again from Romans chapter 8. Then we're going to sing to our God, and Rob tried to get some songs that you would know the words to. If you don't, I'm sorry. Um, you can pray during those times. I try to pick it up. They're pretty simple. We're not going to have words on the screen or anything out there, but, but we're going to spend the time just celebrating what God has done. All right, so to make that happen, um, I just want to give you some logistics, right? So we're, we're going to literally in just a minute leave this room, and you're not coming back, right? So I would encourage you gather your, you know, get your coat, get your phone. Last service, we had like five phones left in the, in the room. That's fine. There's grace abounds, but I would encourage you to grab it before you go out. Um, it's not too cold outside. I promise it's going to be really great, but you're going to walk out kind of this 
this direction, you, the fires will be really evident. I would encourage you to just kind of try to spread out around them. You'll be staying kind of in the parking lot, some on the sidewalk, some on the rocks. But we're going to go out there, uh, and we'll get things started as soon as we're all set up, standing around, ready, set, go. Go.